Welcome to the Hot Widows Club. My name is Crystal and this is Allie. Hello. We are super excited to welcome you all to the widowhood. As you may or may not know, we are here to share our journey about being widowed at a young age and raising our families and being friends and doing all kinds of crazy things, but most importantly, sharing our journey through grief and love and togetherness. So welcome. So Allie is over there getting ready for the night, which is super fun. Happy St. Patrick's Day, everybody. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And it's March Madness. Yeah. It started today. Did you do a bracket? I did not do a bracket. What? Mm-mm. My husband's work, which is a small business, they had asked me to join their work bracket. And I was like, yeah, of course. And then I'm like, I've never done a bracket in my life. I don't know what to do. Do you? Yeah. I mean, it, uh, you just have to pick teams. So a really cool story is Ross was really into March Madness and well, really every sport, but he would put together like a, my family and his family, we would do a tournament together. Like a, we would do brackets and he would keep track and then whoever won, he would give him little trophies. Nice. Very nice. (laughs) Yeah. So definitely thinking about him today every day, but St. Patrick's day too. He was, so Ross was adopted. Okay. And I don't know, like five years ago, he did a DNA, one of those DNA tests. Mm -hmm. He like spit in a cup. He didn't find out he was a hundred percent that bitch, did he? No, (laughs) but he found out he was like 75% Irish, like really high percent. I know that's a pretty high Mm -hmm. percentage. So ever since then, we always celebrated St. Patrick's mm-hmm. Day together. And I am probably like 45, I don't know, percent mm-hmm. Irish. Okay. Mixed with Danish. But anyway, so happy St. Patrick's Day, Ross. Yes, Ross. Happy St. Patrick's Day to you. Eric <laughs> looked for any occasion to drink. So yeah, here's to you. Just so you guys know, we're drinking some whiskey. Which I've um, never drank in my life. <laughs> whiskey. I actually... Funny story about me that you don't know. Okay. Because, okay, so Allie and I know each other through our widowhood journey, but we don't know a ton about each other. So I'm going to share the story that you don't know. So I don't drink much at all. Uh-huh. There's two times a year I drink. One is when I go to Chicago with my two very best girlfriends from college. Which you're going in two weeks? Two weeks. Yeah. I can't wait. I hope I come home alive. The second time that I drink is on the 4th of July. So last year, my daughter's teacher was talking about her and not drinking and being safe and et cetera. And my daughter raised her hand and said, I want to be like my mom. I'm only going to get drunk on the 4th of July. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's a good day. What is drunk crystal like? I think Mm. I need to meet drunk drunk crystal. Mm, I don't know. I Sam, Mal... Someday, guys, if you meet my friends of the internet, make sure you tell them what I'm like because it's a treat, a real <laughs> treat. Maybe we'll meet tonight yeah. because Crystal and I are drinking a little whiskey. So are you a drinker, Allie? Do you ever drink? No. Like, I I think I had my first alcohol when I was like 20, which I feel like is old nowadays. Allie. I just was, um, I don't know, a rule follower for the most part my whole life, but I do like to, it also doesn't take a lot, Crystal. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's like when I do, I only, I mean, like one glass will be fine. But I also don't like being hungover. Mm-hmm. Like I hate that feeling as Agreed. most people do. Mm-hmm. And it's worse when you are, have two kids, you know, kids, mm-hmm. and then you have to take care of them by yourself. Agreed. It's like the worst. Yeah. There's no one there to clean up no. the mess. There's it's no all one you. there. Yeah. It's like we talked about cleaning up after a party. Yeah. That was Eric's forte. That guy knew how to whip a house into shape following a party before I even woke up in the morning. Maybe that's why I hate having people over anymore. There's no one to clean up. Clean up. It's all on you. Yeah. Yeah. There's no one to do laundry. There's no one to do dishes. It's all you, Crystal. (laughs) I think think you need to talk about your uh, carpool. I do. Let's talk about that now. Thank you, Allie, for that segue. Uh I have to talk about, it has nothing to do with widowhood or grief, except for my, I'm not a patient person at all. And so I do carpool, I don't know, a couple times a week, whatever. But 
This year, I have not had to drop my kids off at school in the morning. I have a friend who's been doing that, which is wonderful, my neighbor. But unfortunately, she's had something going on this week, so I've had to take all the kids to school. And I get to school, and everyone is taking forever to get out of their cars. These kids get out of the cars, and then the mom gets out on the opposite side and walks around to give the kid their backpack or their horn or their candy or who knows what they're giving them. Get the kid out of the car and move. (laughs) Or park your car and get out and walk your precious cherub up to the front door. Otherwise, move through the line. Oh, man. You don't want to be behind me in carpool. I'm a rager, a rager in pajamas. Do you, have you ever honked yet? No, because I'm kind, but it's all inside my head. I'm all That's talk, good. no show. I'm all actually talk. terrified of those honkers. Okay. We have them at our school and I, oh man, that first like two weeks of school, mm-hmm. I was like, Gus, unbuckle, hurry up, get ready, <laughs> jump out of the car because I didn't want to get honked at. Right. I was so nervous. <laughs> I've told my kids as long as I've been taking those kids to school. Be good girls, do good things, and be kind to others. Like, get out, get, get, move. (laughs) (laughs) That's my thing. But anyways, on to the widowhood. So I think that's part of it, right? Isn't everything we do part of being a widow? Oh, it's it's who we are. Right. Yeah. I mean, even today, I just kept thinking about, not to go back to March Madness, but Ross loved all sports Mm -hmm. and to just... I don't know. I was really missing him because mm-hmm. he would be so excited to watch or, you know, look at, watch the games and just talk about it. He was just really into it. Mm-hmm. And, and so for all you, I don't know, married folks out there, I guess you don't have to be married, but if you're dating and you're really annoyed with your spouse because they're watching those games, just know that there's somebody over here that wishes I could be annoyed by them. It's just, you take so much for granted when they're alive and losing them, you realize how much you took for granted. And it's days like today, March Madness, that I took for granted. Be like, Ross, really? Are you really that into watching (laughs) basketball? I mean. I've never seen you watch this team before. Exactly. But now I freaking wish so bad I could be annoyed with them today. So... Ross, if you're listening to her, can you give her a sign today to yeah. make her annoyed? Like, I, do something? I know. I was like, okay, Ross, help me fill out. <laughs> Drop your best. kids off at school. That would annoy you. <laughs> yeah. The, but I was like, help me fill out the best bracket. Help me win. Yeah. Right? Well, I, I'm pretty sure I've already lost like two games, but you know, you're I tried. Something. I tried. Okay. Yeah. Well, last week on our podcast, we talked about Eric and I's journey, and that was fun, exciting. And afterwards, Allie was like, how was that? And I was like, I don't know, Allie, do you remember what I was like? I was like, I don't know, fine, I don't I don't know. And then two days later, I realized that episode exhausted me, yeah. took everything out of me. Yeah. So I'm leading up to this week's episode, and I say to Allie, I called her earlier this week, I said, you ready for this? I'm really nervous. Because that exhaustion was intense because it's a big story. But I'm going to stop talking and I want to turn things over to Allie to share her story with the world. So Allie, tell us about Ross's journey. Yeah. So I don't know how Crystal held it together, (laughs) to be honest. So I'm going to try my best to not get through this crying. This is very hard for me. So... I guess just be very gentle. So the journey started, it was April, the Thursday before Easter. And Ross and I went to dinner. We decided to get out and just go to dinner, just him and I, which we rarely did. At that time, Hank was seven months old and Gus was two. And so we went to dinner. I look back on that dinner and I think about how happy we were. We ate so much food. We had, which <laughs> we drank wine. Mm-hmm. We went to a, our favorite Italian place here 
And so we had appetizers and pasta and pizza and dessert. And we just ate our hearts out and it was awesome. And I also remember we were supposed to go to Hawaii, like a family trip three weeks after that. And mm-hmm. so Ross was like, I have to stop at my favorite store because he had to get a Nebraska Hawaiian shirt. <laughs> okay. And that shirt is still hanging in our closet. He never wore it because we never, never ended up going to Hawaii, but I'm taking you to Hawaii. <laughs> okay. Um, so anyways, we had the most wonderful dinner and I just look back on that night and I just think how wonderful it was. And Anyways, we go home and about, I don't know, the middle of the night, Ross just is complaining about pain in his like lower abdomen and he he's kind of getting a fever. And so he thought that he had food poisoning. And I was like, well, I ate the same things and I feel fine. So Friday comes and I go to work and Ross doesn't go to work. He says he has the flu. So he has like a really high fever. And which is unlike him. He never missed work. And so I thought, okay, he must be really sick. But we were supposed to go back to his hometown for Easter. And so I was like, okay, Ross, if you're not feeling good, like I want you to go to urgent care Friday night. So Friday night comes and he he no longer has a fever, but he has this like pain in his lower like abdomen. And and so with no medical experience, I'm Googling it. Like what I do with everything I Google and it's, you know, it's everything that keeps coming up is like gallbladder stones, like all these stones keep (laughs) coming up. And I'm like, okay, if you don't feel better by the morning, you need to go to the ER because you have stones and they need to get the stones out. So Saturday morning comes and still, he still has this pain. And so I said, okay, go to the ER. It's right down the street. And I'll stay home with the kids, but you call me and you let me know what happens and I, you know, I will come, but you go for now. And at that moment, I was so, I have to be honest. I was so mad at him. I was so mad because it was Easter the next day and we were supposed to go to his family's house that night. Like we're going to leave and stay the night. And I, I just was angry because I was like, why do you wait this long? Like, why didn't you go yesterday? You know, it's like I had to pester him to go. Anyways, so then um, I'll never forget. I, um, I'm i sitting there and I he had been gone maybe an hour and I still hadn't got a phone call. And um, he, I'm breastfeeding Hank and reading to Gus and Ross walks into our house and he hadn't been gone long. And I was like, what, what is, what happened? What did they say? And, um, he looks me dead in the eye and he's crying, which he never did. And he said, Allie, I, he goes, I have tumors all over my abdomen everywhere. They said they're in every organ in my, in my abdomen. And I, I was like, what? I I thought he was joking. I, I was like, what are you talking about? And I have so much regret because I wasn't there with him when he found out that information. He had to find it out alone. And then he had to come home and tell me. And um, that weekend was the hardest weekend. I, as you can imagine, we, we didn't know what the hell was going on. The ER doctor didn't even know. The, the ER doctor was like, you, I'm going to call the oncologist on Monday. This is just what I'm thinking it is. And so at the, at that moment, Ross was like, what do I do next? And and the doctor's like, well, you can stay here. And Ross was like, no, I want to go home to my family. So he did, he left right away. And, um, that weekend we, we spent all weekend just, I, I don't know even how to describe the feeling. It's, um, uh, yeah, I can't Definitely. describe it. Yeah. We couldn't think of anything else. You, you're paralyzed is really yeah. all I can describe It's very paralyzing. I couldn't sleep. We didn't even know what it was. So we had to wait till Monday. So we, the oncologist called him on Monday and was like, uh, I looked at your scans and you need to go 
get a colonoscopy on Thursday. So then we had to wait till Thursday. So that whole time, you know, you're just like, what, what's going on? So he had a colonoscopy on Thursday and before Ross, you know, came awake out of that colonoscopy, that doctor came in and, um, he was like, white as a ghost. And I will never forget his eyes because he looked at me and he said, it's really bad. He has a tumor that is like completely blocking his colon. Like, I don't even know how he is not in so much pain or how he's able to like pass food through his colon. And so he's like, you need to see an oncologist like right away. And so Ross came to and I, I had to tell him that, like what the doctor said. And yeah, it's all kind of just hard to describe the feelings. But we went to the oncologist after right after that, like within an hour of seeing of doing the colonoscopy. And we actually left the oncologist and we didn't feel good about that doctor. And so we decided to get another, a different oncologist. And we were so lucky because we were able to get in to the surgical oncologist that everybody had talked so highly of, and it was really hard to get into him, but he was able to see us the following Monday. And so we, I mean, we basically went a little over a week without really knowing what was going on. And so we saw that surgical oncologist and he was just, he was absolutely lovely. We loved him from the very beginning. Ross always said that he just felt so connected to that doctor. And I wish so bad I could talk to him again. I just don't feel like bothering him, but he was wonderful. And um, he was what we considered our quarterback. Ross and I always called him our quarterback. And so our quarterback would, um, you know, he would always look at all the scans and then he would determine like what he thought would be the next step. And if it was, um, you know, uh, chemo or something like that, he would send us to this oncologist that he recommended. And so we saw this oncologist that he recommended that he said, if I was in your situation, this is who I would go to. And so we met with that oncologist and he was like, okay, this is the next step. We're going to do chemo. Um, we're going to start this right away. You need to get a port, which I don't know how to describe a port other than it goes into your chest. And that's like, they, that's how they insert the um, chemo. So they don't have to stick it in your arm every time. But before a story I do have to tell, which is again, very personal, but I just feel like this is real life. So I'm going to share it. So we were about, we scheduled the port and Ross wasn't going to get chemo until he got the port. So as we scheduled the port and a couple of days leading up to that, Ross just, he was so confused on what to do. He was really like, I will tell you, and this is why I'm being honest. He was very scared of getting chemo, very scared. He didn't know what to expect is like anybody our age and anybody in general, you're, it's scary. You hear chemo, you hear cancer and it's terrifying. So I guess to back up the oncologist and our quarterback, like we said, diagnosed Ross with stage four colon cancer. So it started in his colon and it had metastasized. He had a huge, huge tumor in his colon. And then he had a even bigger one on his liver and it had gone to his lymph nodes. So those were the three places that it, that it started before he got his port. He was really struggling with what he wanted to do. And that might be surprising to a lot of people because as I will talk about, Ross fought so freaking hard. I'm so proud of him. I'm, I'm seeing all of this because Ross didn't share any of this to pretty much anybody. We kept this journey to ourselves and not a lot of people know this. So I'm doing this for Ross because I'm so proud of him. He was the strongest person I've ever known. And he 
went through this process so gracefully and he, he just walked towards death with grace and it was so beautiful, but also so painful when I'm so proud of him. So I'm doing this for him. He's a stud out. He is. But I'm going to tell you, he was, he was very torn at the beginning if he wanted to do this. And, and so I did, as we're walking in to get his port, I said, Ross, I go, if you don't want to do this, I'm okay with it. I'm okay. I want to do, this is your body. And if you don't want to do it, it's okay. I'm not going to be mad at you. And so we get in there and, and he just, I don't know, something came over him. He's like, nope, I'm doing it. I'm doing this. And he never looked back. He just never questioned it again. But I wanted to share that because that's real life. And you do question it in that situation. You do. Even though we had two really little kids, he questioned it because it's so, you know, the unknown. Anyways, so then um, he got the port and he started chemo right away. So we didn't go to Hawaii because he wanted to start chemo right away. And uh, <laughs> this is this is the part that is just blows my mind and it blows a lot of people's minds. But um, so we didn't tell a lot of people. He only told his boss and I think another coworker that he worked really closely with and then I told my two bosses and then we told our family, but that's pretty much it. That's who we told. And we continued with life. The biggest thing Ross wanted is to live on, just live. And so we did. He would get chemo every other week. And what that looked like is he would sit and get, I think it was five hours of chemo, like sitting there. And then he would, they would hook him up with a pump. So that pump he would carry around for two days and that pump, there was like a needle sticking out of his port, like two inches long sticking out and he he would go to work. So he continued to work. He would be on conference calls while getting chemo. He would work the whole time getting chemo and then he would go keep going to work the next day while he's carrying this pump. I still don't even know how other people didn't see it, but he just kept going he was so incredibly proud of that. I remember him saying, Allie, there's this other person at work that has, um, I just found out has cancer and, and they're on disability and I'm doing this Allie. And I'm like, I know I'm so proud of you. Mm -hmm. He was just so proud of that, that he could continue with his career because our careers were always important to us, but also support, you know, to support me and the boys to just keep living. And so he did that for a whole year, that chemo. And unfortunately, he became allergic to it, which I guess is pretty common. Your body somewhere down the line just becomes allergic to this type of chemo. By the end of that year of chemo, he started to get these like reactions where he would stop. Like while he's getting it, he would he would start getting really red and his throat would like close up. And so... They had to stop doing that chemo. And it's unfortunate because that chemo was the most successful out of all the chemos he tried after that. And I, I do think about if that chemo would have still worked, I think that he would be in remission. But then it didn't. And so he couldn't take it anymore. And they decided it had shrunk so much of his chemo that his quarterback decided that he could do chemo embolization to his liver tumor, which is, um, again, I'm not a medical person, so don't judge how I describe this, but it's basically shooting chemo drenched beads into like up his groin, into the veins, like the blood vessels of your liver to cut off the blood supply to that tumor. And he did that a couple of times and it was the most painful thing. Okay. Because it's cutting off that blood supply to your liver. And it's like, anyways, he would just be in so much pain after that, but it was really successful. It, it decreased that tumor by quite a bit. And so his quarterback decided, okay, we're going to do surgery. We're going to remove the tumor from your colon. 
and we're going to remove three other organs while we're at it. And so January, 2020, he had that surgery and it was a 13 hour surgery. And I sat there the whole time. I did not move. And they would update me every 90 minutes. The nurse would come out and update me. And, oh, that was, that was a really hard day. And I remember Ross, <laughs> he didn't want a, a colostomy bag. He kept saying, I just don't want a colostomy bag, which I don't know. Do you know what that is? Okay. Mm-hmm. I do. Yeah. And so when he finally came out, like came out of surgery and it was super successful, they were able to take out the entire tumor from his colon. They removed three of his organs and everything was looking really good. So he came out of the surgery and, and he, he, he looked up at me and the first thing I said to him was, you don't have a colostomy bag. I'm like, you don't have one. And he's like, yes. I'm like, yeah, I know your, your quarterback is the best. And he was, gosh, he was the best. I love that man. He's just so great. Anyway, so Ross had a, an absolutely wonderful recovery from that surgery too, which hundred percent goes to Ross. So he started Ross. I'm not even kidding. It was in the ICU for, I think 10 days after that surgery and get this. So during this whole process, he couldn't drink or eat. He couldn't drink water. Okay. Mm -hmm. For five days. And basically all the, so he had this tube. I, again, I'm sorry. I don't know what it's called again, but it's like a tube that goes down your, your throat and it, it basically sucks out all the acid from your stomach and it's coming just like coming out your nose. And so, and he couldn't drink water. He couldn't eat, but his mouth was so dry because he couldn't have any water that all of the skin was peeling out of his mouth. Like all of the Mm -hmm. skin in his mouth, his whole lips were peeling. And he was, he was just so happy. He was so proud that he didn't have this colonoscopy bag, but also that he like, (laughs) we were in such a good place because the surgery went so well. It was such a high, as you know, Crystal, this whole journey, your journey, there's roller coasters. My gosh. It's like, there's really hard times, really low, but there's such highs. You have so much hope. We had so much hope during that time because everything was going so well. And uh, it just, it's hard to look back on that because we were so, we were doing it. He was surviving. Through this whole journey, Ross is very close to his family, very close to his parents. And he would talk to his mom two to three times a day. They lived in in Iowa. So he was very close to her. She sat with me the whole time during that surgery, by the way. She sat next to me. And I remember when Ross came through, I was the first one with him. But then I was like, let me go get your mom. She's dying to see you. And so his mom comes in and you know, there's just that love between a mother and a child. And it was beautiful. He held her hand and he's like, I love you, mom. You know, anyways, so this is important because a month later, his mom had a heart attack and passed away out of nowhere at night. Yeah. I I mean, no signs of it. Just out of nowhere. And I, I still to this day do not understand that, why that had to happen. I think the only reason is because she was there to welcome him when he passed. Like that must've been the best reunion ever, but I don't understand that. I never will. So he really struggled with that. We all did. She was, she was amazing. And, um, yeah, it was, it was really hard when we lost her and then freaking COVID hits. Oh my gosh. March of 2020. A whole new episode. I know. (laughs) Like literally 2020 was a really hard year. And then 2021 was just even shittier. So, (laughs) so 
So yeah, Ross's mom passed and um, we are, all of us are Catholic, by the way, which I feel like I will talk about in another episode because it's definitely tested my faith. But I remember Wayne, who's Ross's dad, was like, you know, she went to heaven and she is going to talk to God and Ross is going to be okay. Like there's no better advocate than your mother, right? Your mother's going to do anything for you. And so I kept thinking, okay, that's got to be the reason why this is happening. You know, well, March comes and Ross has a scan and, you know, you're always anxious at any scan during this process. Freaking cancer is found in his lungs and he has tumors all over his freaking lungs and then COVID hits. It, it, it's just like, I remember the doctors being like, because Ross had tumors in his lungs and they're like, you know, if he gets COVID, he's going to die. He's going to die. You know, just like this fear. Mm-hmm. Same with Eric. It was just like, oh my gosh. And then, you know, everybody knows what happened. This, the world it was just a terrifying place. We didn't know what was going on. At this point in time, they nobody was wearing masks. I remember nobody was wearing masks because we were in the we were in the like hospital. Like Ross was going in and out to get scans and stuff out of the hospital. Nobody was wearing masks, but they kept telling us like, "Get your groceries delivered, but before you bring them in the house, like wipe everything down." Like it was like about germs, you know, about it being on things instead of in the air. So it's amazing how how it's changed. But anyways, I digress. Uh, I'm sure we'll have another episode on COVID because there's a lot that goes with that. Absolutely. So we started more chemo. That was the only thing that we could do is chemo. They told us that there was nothing they could do because it's not like you can really do surgery on your lungs with that many tumors. Because we kept saying, oh, let's do another surgery because it was so successful. They couldn't do radiation because the tumor in his liver wasn't completely gone. Everywhere else it was gone, except for he still a little bit of in his liver and then all these tumors in his lungs. Mm. And the reason why I think those tumors just came out of nowhere, they popped up so many is because before he had that surgery, he had to take a break from chemo. You know, you have to take a break. Plus he became allergic. So I think during that time frame when he wasn't on chemo, they just like must have popped up and then just spread like crazy. So he started a new chemo and, you know, ever since that scan where they told us it was in his lungs, I just knew, I just had that feeling ever since then. I was like, this is going to be an uphill battle, a really uphill battle. That's such a crappy feeling. Yeah. Isn't it? Yes. I wonder if everyone gets to that point of where you, as a spouse, do you just say, shit, I know, and this sucks. Mm -hmm. I think so. I mean, everybody does. We probably have gone through it younger than most, but I'm sure everybody goes through that. So, sorry, just need to take a breath. (laughs) Does this sound okay? Am I like boring everybody? Okay. (laughs) This is so exciting. I mean, it's not exciting. It sucks. It's the worst. I'm like, is this even interesting? Everyone's going through this. Yeah. Like everyone that is a widow that's had this cancer journey mm-hmm. has gone through something like this. Everyone goes through the ups and downs. Yeah. It's like a roller coaster. Yeah. yeah. Like Eric didn't have a port. He had a pick. Mm-hmm. If you had a pick, like, you know, that journey and you know, there's just, everyone's got these things. Yeah. So it's good to hear what other people are going through, what they went through. It's about not being alone. Right. That's right. Okay. So, so we kept living. We kept living. Ross continued to work. He continued to work full time and doing chemo. I continued to work. We were both work from home, which was a blessing. I, you know, a lot of people talk about how shitty, sorry if I shouldn't say shit. Um, (laughs) Uh, how crappy COVID was, but honestly, that was kind of a blessing for us in disguise. We spent the whole time together. Mm -hmm. We worked from home. 
And so I was able to, you know, spend all day with him. Were the boys home too, or did they go to school? No, we sent them to school. Mm-hmm. Our daycare only closed two, two weeks. Mm-hmm. And we had the option to send them again. Like after those two weeks, our doctors advised against it, but we decided we needed to keep doing it. We needed mm-hmm. to keep our sanity. Mm-hmm. And that was probably the best decision I made. Absolutely. I had so many friends that really struggled that April, May, June timeframe of 2020 mm-hmm. because they tried to work with their kids at home. And so we sent them to school, even though the doctors advised against it. And so anyways, Ross and I spent all day together every day. Perfect. And it was, it was so nice. Mm-hmm. I so miss that. I so miss it. I mean, we worked and I remember he, it was so annoying because I was trying to be on a conference call and he'd be on a conference call, but it was like the best mm-hmm. because he would make me lunch and, <laughs> you know, we just could talk in between. We listened to music together. Mm-hmm. <sighs> when March Madness was on, he would march, watch March Madness, you know, <laughs> things right. like that. Masters, whatever, whatever it was, he was watching it. But like yeah. When you weren't starving before I fed you eel fudges. <laughs> Double stuff. I know. I was going to bring you corned beef tonight because you, you know I you made make one. Beef? Of course I did. You did? Yeah. You are such a better mom than me. Uh, none of my kids ate it. As I've told but the you. The fact that you made it. Yeah. I ate it all. That's <laughs> only two pounds. You should have brought me some. I would <laughs> eat some. <laughs> I gave some to my neighbor, <laughs> ate the rest. Oh. You're amazing. You're pretty amazing. <laughs> Okay, I'm dying to hear what happened. Tell me okay, what happened after all right. March. I'm like, so again, he continued to, through chemo. And so we got through, it was about October, November timeframe. Again, another high for whatever reason. So at the beginning of the journey, they test, they tested his gene or his, yeah, his genes, his genetics mm-hmm. to see in order to do immunotherapy. And at the beginning they said, oh, you don't have like, I think you need like 14. I don't know. Again, I I can't describe it correctly, but you need so many things in order to get immunotherapy in order for it to work, I guess. But he had 13 of the 14. And so finally a miracle happened. So we thought um, in November of 2020, he was approved for immunotherapy, which the quarterback, you know, had been trying to get this since day one. And we kept hearing, oh, immunotherapy is going to, is going to save, you know, it's going to help so much because what it does is basically your, it helps your immune system to fight the cancer. And, but you also need to be on chemo to like kind of reduce it. And then the immunotherapy will take it over. I'm sure I'm describing it wrong. Doctors, I'm sorry. But anyway, so we got a doctor on this show. I know. I, know. Richard, I wish I could get the quarterback on here, but he's. <laughs> <laughs> He's too busy. I'm sure I haven't talked to him. Yeah. So he was approved for immunotherapy. And I remember we were like, yes, like we were so excited. Like it felt like we won the lottery. I'm not exaggerating. We were like over the moon because from day one, it was like, yes, we need to get immunotherapy. Okay. Well, let me just tell you right now, immunotherapy freaking effed everything up. It was downhill from then. And I, I don't want to scare anybody who's I don't want to scare anybody because I think immunotherapy does work for a lot of people. It didn't work for us. Did it work for you, Crystal? Nope. Yeah. But I don't want to scare anybody listening to this. It just didn't, it didn't work for us. What happened is it ended up destroying his thyroid. And I don't want to get into too much because I do struggle. I'm going to be honest. Like I said, I'm going to always be honest with you is that I worry because I, this is again, the episode of COVID. This is what sucks about COVID is that I could not go to anything. I could not go sit with him, his chemo out of everything. Okay. His mom passed away, so he can't talk to his mom and I can't go sit with him to get his, so he can get chemo. So he's sitting there by himself. He's going to all the doctor's appointments together, all the scans together, having all these major conversations with the doctors that I can't be a part of. And Ross is very intelligent. He was with it the whole time, the whole entire time. Mm-hmm. And I, I trusted him. I, I, he knew what he was talking about. He'd come home and he'd 
give me an updates. And I, he trusted the quarterback and our oncologist, like nobody's business. And I do too. But I, I do have these feelings of like, what if I was there to listen or like, maybe I could have asked additional questions or maybe I could have been like, here's a side effect that Ross forgot to mention, you know, those are the things that I think about that really bug me. And I really want to talk to the quarterback and the oncologist sometime and just be like, here are all my questions. Like what exactly happened between November of 2020 to February of 2021 when it just kind of like what happened during that time frame? I just want to like understand because it just went downhill like so fast and it all started with immunotherapy. So we get this miracle drug apparently and it, it didn't help. It destroyed his thyroid, which they didn't catch for like a couple months later. And so it had all those, you know, he had all these horrible side effects from it that were permanent. Like he lost his hearing in one of his ears from wow. it. Yeah. And, and, you know, just other horrible side effects that I don't need to go into, but just one thing I will say is that Ross prided himself. He never lost his hair and he was so proud of that. Aww. And so that's why a lot of people didn't know, like he mm -hmm. looked like a normal, like he didn't look sickly. Mm -hmm. He didn't look sickly until that last month of his life until May of 2021, which those are the pictures that are hard to look at. Like mm -hmm. we talked about, but he looked healthy the whole time. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it goes to show that you don't know what others are going through. No. A person on the street, you have no idea. They could be going through chemo. They could be have cancer. They could have lost their mom. You never know because you don't see that. And a lot of people didn't see that with Ross. And so when he passed away, it was like a huge shock. But I'm so proud of him for that because he he just wanted to keep living. He didn't want anybody to feel sorry for him. Yeah. I just, I love that about him. So he got the immunotherapy and like I said, everything just went downhill. The chemo wasn't working that he was on. The immunotherapy wasn't working. You know, we still had COVID going on and so I couldn't go to anything. And the one thing that also happened is that there really weren't any trials going on. Like the quarterback kept looking around mm -hmm. and was always talking to other hospitals and all over the United States. Ross never traveled for treatments and mm. he never, I, I will, I, after talking to you and talking to others that have gone through this journey, I'm, that is one thing I am grateful for. We never, he never had to leave the state and we were always in the same bed at night, every night at home. And our kids really had no idea, you know, other than us talking about chemo and cancer and, they knew those words at a really young age, mm -hmm. but we kept like, our lives were pretty much normal. Except, was he hospitalized much? No, mm -hmm. he wasn't. The only time that he was in the hospital is when he had that surgery, that mm -hmm. 13 hour surgery. And he was in the ICU for 10 days. And again, his work didn't know because, so he told at that point in time, he did tell his like team mm -hmm. um, because they needed to know, but other than that, like, cause he worked for a huge company here. Mm -hmm. The rest of the company didn't really know. Still amazes me. Okay. So there was no trials. We couldn't find That's any right. trials and he never traveled. There really was no other options. So the quarterback had heard about this, like really kind of not approved regimen of chemos, like these kind of absurd chemos, I should say. This oncologist, I think in Texas had come up with this regimen of like mixing all these different chemos together. Mm -hmm. And he was like, you know, I've heard some success with this. Let's try it. And so his oncologist decided to try it. And, and, and Ross went on this regimen and it was really intense, like a bunch of chemos at once mm -hmm. and over like several week periods. So I will say most of 2021, like, January, February, March, he was really not feeling good from not that he wasn't the whole other times, but he was just like his thyroid wasn't working because of immunotherapy. He had all these weird side effects from all these other chemos. Mm -hmm. There was just a lot going on and yeah. we couldn't tell like what was what anymore. Mm -hmm. It was very confusing. And March of 2021, he had scans done and nothing was working. And the quarterback was like, 
don't have any other options. And you probably have like six months left to live if you do nothing. Again, no other words to describe that feeling. I think my grief started there because I knew it was coming. And there's a word for it, but you can actually grieve before somebody passes away. Mm -hmm. So my grief started there because I knew it was coming. It was hard not to think about it all the time. And the crazy thing about Ross is like, he still thought, oh no, I just got to keep going because some new, you know, he, he never lost hope like Mm -hmm. at all, except for that last week where I will get into someday, not today, but he never lost hope. And he kept saying, okay, they're doing all these studies. There's going to be something that comes out. Like Mm -hmm. he just kept talking about that and he kept going and he kept working. He worked this whole time and he just kept going and going. Mm -hmm. And, but my heart was grieving already, like starting in March. And, um, the oncologist said, okay, there's this pill like chemo that is like this new thing that you can take. It's a pill form and it's supposed to like, it could extend your life a little bit longer, Mm -hmm. like maybe a couple months longer. And I remember I was like, Ross, what do you want to do? Do you want to take that? Like what? Cause we don't know. It can either speed up the process or it can extend it. And and so it was like, it's like a gamble. And And Ross is like, I want more time with you. I want more time with you and I want more time with the boys and I'll do anything for that. So he started taking those chemo pills and you know, I, I don't know what the answer is if that sped it up or what, who knows? May comes and May is a really hard month and there's a lot of things I'd love to share. And I just don't know if I'm able to share this kind of stuff on, on here. But one thing is we, uh, the week before Ross passed, we went to Disney world and Ross walked the whole time. He, he was such a trooper, never complained. And we, we spent the whole week in Disney world and Mm -hmm. it was awesome, but also really sad. Like Mm -hmm. I just kept thinking like, (laughs) again, grieving already, Mm -hmm. like anything we did, any conversation I had with him. It was like, okay, this is a really important conversation because there's not a lot left. You know, what's worse, having somebody pass away out of nowhere, you know, without having any um, warning Mm -hmm. or going through this process? I always think about that. And I I don't think there's an answer. I think both are horrible. And... Yes, I was able to say goodbye to Ross. Yes, I, I had that. But I also had to say goodbye to him for like two and a half years, you know? And that is so hard. It is so hard. And to watch somebody who is so strong, the strongest person I know, to watch them their body, not their mind or their heart, their, Mm -hmm. their body shut down is something that will stay with me forever. It is so, and I, again, I never will understand why this happened. Why Mm -hmm. Ross had to suffer that whole time. Why he had to lose his mom in the middle of it. Why COVID happened and I couldn't go to anything. I never will understand that. Why did it happen? Like, just period. Like, I couldn't understand that. Why, Eric? Right. Like, why to someone like him? Right. Why, Ross? Why? He was the best dad and the best husband and my best friend. And he just was, he just was so cool. (laughs) A lot cooler than me. (laughs) He sounds like a really cool dude. I wish I would have known him. He's so badass. Again, I'm sorry for cussing. I would have had him grill for me. I think. What? I would have had him grill. Yeah, he was a master griller. Mm-hmm. He was really good at grilling salmon. Mm-hmm. Like the best at grilling salmon. I haven't met anybody who is as good at him as him. He would also, um, he loved to love to grill. And he had this, oh gosh, what is it called? A black stone, I think. It's like a, it's like a flat grill. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he would 
I'm not even kidding you, like make us breakfast outside on it all the time. Oh my gosh. And like he would make pancakes and sausage and eggs on it. He would also do stir fry on it outside. How fun. Yeah. Yeah. It was so fun. I, I think that's probably good. What a cool story. <laughs> I don't know. It's the worst going through yeah. what we go through. It's the worst going through what anyone goes through when you watch your spouse experience something like this, Allie. Yeah. And I think it's important to share it. And I'm so sorry for all of those, all of you that are going through it right now. It's so hard. And we're here for you. And you can always reach out to us if you need support. Yeah. Allie, how could they email us? If you need to reach Crystal or Allie, you can email us at hotwidowsclubpodcast at gmail.com. And I'll disclaimer, Allie, neither Allie nor I are trained counselors. We play them on TV, but actually we play them on the radio, but we are not in real life. But if we can help at all. Yeah. If you just need somebody to talk to, sometimes Mm -hmm. you just need to vent because, you know, it sucks. Totally sucks. Cancer sucks. And if you swear a lot, that's okay. Because I swear a lot. <laughs> I just sweared a lot. I know. I've never heard you swear that I much. I know. I mean, I never s- in the six months I've known you. <laughs> never. <laughs> well, this is a sucky thing. It is a sucky thing, Allie. Yeah. All right. Until next time. That was a big couple episodes yeah. of that. But that's made us who we are. And that sets us up for the future. There's... You have to know that about us. In order for us to be in your lives, you have to hear the really shitty stuff about us and the really cool stuff, like the fact that I hate carpool. <laughs> and Allie swears a lot. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> oh, yeah. my gosh. Oh. All right, Allie, should we cheers to tonight's episode? Yeah. And cheers to Allie sharing. Yes. Thank you, Allie, yes. for sharing. That Thank was you brave. for listening. Always. I could use a hug. <laughs> Thank you. Happy St. Patty's Day. Yes. <laughs>